Welcome to My Property World, a light and informative look at all things property. We have designed this series for people involved in property and property finance in the UK market. However, we do take examples from all around the property world. Our aim is for us to make money from property together. Whether that be buying, selling, financing, trading or getting involved in a deal in another way. We do this by informing, entertaining and enjoying ourselves talking property, which gives you a chance to get to know us, what we're up to and to check us out until you're ready to make money together. In the meantime, My Property World is free and fun, so plug in your headphones and enjoy. We would love for you to like, share and comment, so please do on social media. And if you have questions, ideas for topics or deals you would like to explore, we're always looking for guests, so get in touch via the My Property World profile. Hello and welcome to My Property World. I'm Will Mallard and you're very welcome, Jonathan McDermott, Town Planner. Hello again, Will. Thanks for having me back. Well, Jonathan, we, we had a, a great chat about how to look at a, a site and covered um, the, the inner workings of a town planner's mind and, and looking at constraints, capacity and and, and dealing with reality as well as um, the, the challenge that you face every day of, of connecting the, the, the dreamers or, or the dreams of developers with the, um, I, I suppose, the computer says no at, at the extreme in the council offices. That's now, right. um, what, what I was hoping we could go into a bit of depth in today, there's some exciting things happening um, in regards to office planning after August. And I, I, I wanna know uh, why, or what's the background to this? Why have they come up with this? Um, you know, I, I'd like to think they don't just uh, do it for the hell of it, there's a reason. Uh, what are the changes? Um, and uh, why, why should a, a developer or a prospective developer be thinking about these things? And, uh, how should they be looking at it? Because you were telling me the last time um, that uh, it's all it's all out there. We, we know we know what's going on. Um, so if you're keen to get started, let, let's crack on. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so to answer your your first question, if I may, the changes that we have now have been a very very long time coming, very long time coming. The, the changes are in place um, in order just to- Just as a bit of context for listeners who aren't familiar with Jonathan, he's been a town planner for uh, coming up years. 20 years. Uh, I'm gonna put an extra year on it for you. Uh, uh, go for it, whack an extra year on, we may as well. <laughs> extra candle on the birthday cake. No, why not? Uh, and, and as one of the, the leading experts uh, on this as a topic within, uh, I suppose, property education, uh, a, a true professional and great communicator. So uh, back, back to the background of why these changes are coming into the office uh, town planning. Okay. So government has been building us up to this for a while. Let's start with that concept, that idea. They've been building us and building us and building us to a point where they would give a use class 
So there, um, planning is very jargonized, Will, and, and you'll hear me talk about classes and classes. So what I will try and do is try and suff or prefix um, class with use class and permitted development class, because that will help uh, differentiate between the two. So the permitted development class that we're talking about is the brand spanking new class MA, which applies to all uses in the class E use class, that is the brand spanking new business, commercial and retail use class that the government brought into force on the 1st of September of last year. All right, so 1st of September 2020, for those of you listening, um, I don't know, 500 years from now. The changes are a culmination of a whole sequence of work, some 22 amendments to the general permitted development order, that the document that gives us in England our permitted development rights. Uh, and they've been building us to this point for a while. And the whole issue, the whole point, is to achieve a conservative manifesto pledge of bringing a wider range of property to uh, permitted development by making a wider range of property available to developers who would want to convert them to residential um, because using property for residential purposes is in the government's eyes much better than leaving that property vacant. Okay. And um, what, what, what does it actually uh, mean? Like, like what, uh, what, what's, what's actually uh, happened in terms of the legislation? So the permitted development allowance that it will be available to developers is to allow any use inside that brand new use class E to go to residential uh, through a prior approval application. Now, for those of you listeners, of your listeners who are, who are familiar with uh, permitted development class O development, which is office to residential, or permitted development class M development, which is retail to residential, or permitted development class PA development, which is light industrial to residential, this new allowance, MA, takes over from those older allowances on the 1st of August. As an okay. amount. And in terms of um, what, why, why is this important for uh, a developer? Because fundamentally, it's a massive game changer. It's a massive game changer. Well, because some of the freedoms that people have previously enjoyed inside of class uh, o, for example, are going. Uh, some of the uh, restrictions that previously existed in PA and in M are going as well. 
And because of that, I am sorry, well, I'm going to have to answer that. So some of the freedoms that people previously enjoyed in O, uh, that's office to resi, and some of the restrictions that were previously in place in PA, that's light industrial to resi and, a, and uh, retail to resi are lifted. And what you've got then is an amalgamation, a great merger of all of those individual rights into one bigger right that applies to more buildings and allows the development in more areas but is restricted in terms of the total size of area you can convert no more than 1500 square meters and is uh, and does not provide for any form of external alteration of any kind okay and uh, how should I, um, a prospective developer be looking at um, this this opportunity differently so you i would be looking at it through the lens of the new right the new prior approval allowance rather than looking at it through the lens of the older allowances, especially considering that the older allowances will be phased out. Uh, you won't be able to make an application for them anymore. If you've got an existing application in the system, you're fine, but the last day to make that application will be the 31st of July of 2021. Right, and you, you people who are between now and then uh, at a earlier stage of their processes, their application, um, what side of the fence do you think it's generally going to be better to be on? Get, well, it depends on what they're doing, to be fair, Will. If, if they're looking at a more unrestricted office to residential scheme, then they probably want to be in class O and they want to be making their application before the 31st of July cutoff date. If in reality, they um, are going to benefit from the freedoms given under class MA to retail to residential say, then they are most likely going to be in the uh, camp of waiting until after August. Now, we've spoken previously uh, on a, another podcast, Jonathan, about the, uh, the, the role that the town planning consultant plays as an expert sitting between uh, the people uh, who, who are basically paid to apply and interpret the legislation and the various uh, regulations and policies of their, uh, both the national, regional and, and local government. Mm -hmm. um, and the developer who uh, is looking to do something, uh, you know, who's motivated, who has a, uh, and I, as, a, as an aside, like I, I'm filled with admiration for developers as a, 
group because uh, I think you've got to be a little bit crazy and very driven over a sustained period of time to not make a hash of the whole thing. Yes. Now, okay. as the, uh, the counsel for these people, uh, the advisor, the, uh, I suppose the person who's going to not, not necessarily point them in the right direction, but uh, make sure they don't go off the edge either side uh, as they're walking along the, the planning tightrope. Yeah. What, what goes through your, your mind? As a, as a planning professional, my first duty is to make sure we're getting the right site, right development on the right site at the right time. Right? That's my first duty. My second duty is to make sure that I can get my client planning permission. And if I can't, I need to tell my client why. I need to, uh, th there's actually a rule buried deep in the RTPI, the Royal Town Planning Institute Code of Conduct, uh, that actually we apply quite directly at TPX. And it's so, sorry, TPX is your, your business. Is our and just, just a quick plug, what, what's the website again? www.townplanningexpert.tpexpert.org. Uh, okay, right. Sorry, I, I cut you off there. You, uh, within your professional code, so the professional code says a planning consultant, a charter town planner, should not support development that they know will not get consent. Put very simply. Mm -hmm. And we've applied that directly to our working practices here. So we tell applicants they're being thick um, in no uncertain terms before they go and make a mistake. And we work very hard to try and put an applicant on the right course rather than the wrong one. Um, what that means is that when we look at a site, say for an office to resi prior approval today, we are making a judgment call in terms of which is the more beneficial process for this site what is going to get the right development on the right site at the right time what is going to get the client out of the site in the most efficient way and is there any other impediment to development that means we should be telling the client not to do it I don't know other consultants that do it that way. Well, uh, I commend you for your uh, your application of the professional code. So, um, doing the right thing is uh, sadly not not the common practice in, in many professional offices. Um, I think people sometimes are a little bit more focused on their fee or um, or. Uh, some other factor other than what the right thing is. So um, it's great that you're, you know, that, that's kind of um, one of your, I suppose, cultural or policy things internally. And uh, it's, a, it's an easier way to make sure you sleep at night, I imagine, as well. But Jonathan, mm -hmm. what, what I'm... Um, what I'd, I'd like to know is, um, can you give me a practical example for... Uh, people who are, are walking down the high street this weekend 
wherever they are. Um, what, what sort of things um, could be a possibility if they see a for sale sign or there's a uh, there's a boarded up um, building? Okay. What 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 should be going through their minds and what what are the possibilities? Okay. How how, how can someone make a a quid from from this new legislation. So the first question they need to ask themselves is, am I in the correct use? So is the property in the correct use or was in the correct use from the start? So this new provision applies to all shops that were formerly in A1, all banks, building societies, estate agents, etc., that were A2, all food and drink uses that were in A3, all business uses that were in B1, that's A, B, and C, offices, research and development, and light industrial. All non-residential uh, non institutions that were medical or health services. Non-residential institutions that were creche, day centre, or day nurseries. And assembly and leisure uses that were for indoor or out, uh, indoor sport or recreation, but not including an indoor swimming pool or skating rink, right? So those are the, the key starting uses. So let's say you've got an old shop. A shop is an old A1, now an E, so we're in the right use. The next thing we need to ask ourselves is, has the property been vacant for the right amount of time? So you need three months continual vacancy uh, from the point you make the application backwards. So if it's still in use, you don't have a vacant property. If it's boarded up, nothing's going on, vacant, dead, then it's vacant. And you need to know how long it's been vacant for. Three months is what you're after. You also need to check its history. So you need to see whether or not it's been subject to a change of use in the last two years. If it's always been a shop, great. If it was previously a... Uh, let's pick one, a hot food takeaway, for example, then that's not going to help here because you would then need to wait two years to be able to touch that building. They put that clause in to stop um, property people evicting shops or evicting shop owners and, and just changing straight away. It can't be uh, in a special scientific interest. You can't deal with a listed building. You can't deal with the Schedule H monument under this regs. It can't be in a safety hazard area or an explosive storage area. You can't deal with it inside an, an area of outstanding natural beauty, in the Norfolk Broads, in a national park, in a World Heritage Site, or an area for importance for nature conservation, uh, for wildlife and cons countryside conservation. And importantly, the you cannot convert more than 1,500 square meters as an absolute maximum. Now, that doesn't mean the building has to be 1,500 square meters. That's the area that you can convert it is, is, is 1,500 square meters. Now, once you've got through that checklist of the stuff you can't touch, you must then consider the bits and pieces uh, that the council can touch. So that is transport impact. Do I need to provide car parking? Can I get safe site access in order to carry out the building work? 
contamination risk. So if it's a former hat shop, for example, and they, if they made hats or if it's leather workers and they made leather goods, you're probably going to have ground contamination on that because they use some quite hard chemicals to, to make hats and leather work. Um, flood risk, noise from commercial premises. Um, so that's all about what's going on in the surrounding area. Has, is, have, are you next to dwellings or are you um, effectively converting in the middle of a high street? If the building is in a conservation area, because you can do this in a conservation area, whether the loss of the ground floor retail would impact the character and appearance of the conservation area. So that's where you might make a judgment call that you're going to leave the ground floor alone. Adequate natural light to all of the habitable rooms in the proposed dwellings comes next. So is it convertible as is? Are you going to need to insert windows? Uh, loss of nursery or medical center and the impact on services provided by those industries. So you need to make sure that there's overcapacity for nurseries in, and medical centers in reality. Uh, the next clause basically begs you not to do this in a conservation area. Please, uh, no, not conservation area, in an industrial center, in an industrial area. Please don't. Um, the regulation allows you to do so, but I'm going to ask you very nicely, please don't. Okay. Um, then we make the application. If everything checks out, we make the application. It's a 56-day application. You can't make it before the 1st of August. And the fee for the application is £100 per dwelling applied for. There you go. And what constitutes a dwelling for uh, someone new to the game? So a dwelling is a self-contained flat or a self-contained house, i.e. a property which has all of the components necessary for true self-containment. Okay. Now, there's a, a another, yet another thing I'd, I'd like to get you back on because uh, I've been reading up on this and I've heard you, you, you speak previously about HMOs. This, this all could tie into everything we've just been talking about, but I think there's another episode in it. Uh, can we get you back on to talk about HMOs going high spec? Of course, not and a problem. Why? Okay. Uh, of course, not a problem at all. Jonathan, uh, we could talk all day uh, about these, these changes, um, but if someone's wanting to... Um, uh, figure out whether there's a fit between you and them and for you to figure out whether there's a fit between you and them because you've got a, typically you've got a queue down the road of people uh, but you're, you're always interested in, um, in, in looking, looking at uh, the, the right opportunities uh, for new clients. What, what's the uh, process for becoming a, a consultancy client? So um, we ask all our clients to go through the same process now, which, which is utilizing our triage service. We started triage um, last year uh, at the start of lockdown three, as it, as it became. And it was a reaction to the need to provide a more detailed answer um, 
to the question, can I do this? It's a half an hour appointment. Um, yes, it's a paid for appointment, but we find it really does help in, um, in guiding clients right at the very early stages. It's great for, I've got this building, what do you think kind of questions. And it allows us to, to check the client out, make sure that they're someone we think we can work with and, and help steer them right at the very earliest outset. Okay. Um, and just one more time, uh, what's the website that they can enter that process? It's www.t for town, p for planning, expert.org forward slash triage. Well, Jonathan McDermott, once again, uh, it's been great having you on. Uh, and I'm glad I've got you uh, nailed down to another episode on HMOs. Uh, and we can go into a bit more detail about that uh, next time. But thanks again. Um, and uh, we'll get, get you on again. Cheers. Thank you so much. I'm Will Mallard. This is My Property World. Uh, Jonathan McDermott, Town Planner. Welcome to My Property World, a light and informative look at all things property. We have designed this series for people involved in property and property finance in the UK market. However, we do take examples from all around the property world. Our aim is for us to make money from property together. Whether that be buying, selling, financing, trading or getting involved in a deal in another way. We do this by informing, entertaining and enjoying ourselves talking property, which gives you a chance to get to know us, what we're up to and to check us out until you're ready to make money together. In the meantime, My Property World is free and fun, so plug in your headphones and enjoy. We would love for you to like, share and comment, so please do on social media. And if you have questions, ideas for topics or deals you would like to explore, we're always looking for guests, so get in touch via the My Property World profile.